Hey guys, I'm back with my latest episode after a short summer break. Today's episode, we will talk about the recently concluded Women's FIFA World Cup, some college football shakeup, and the Messi Mania stateside. First up, the 2023 Women's World Cup. England, USA, Spain, Brazil, they all entered this year's tournament as some of the leading contenders to lift the trophy. USA, having won the tournament in 2015 and 2019, were looking to be the first team to ever complete the 3 P, winning three World Cups in a row. Now, let me give you a bit of history on how the sport has grown before talking about the World Cup this year. The first Women's World Cup dates to 1970 in Italy, which Denmark won. This was followed by another unofficial World Cup tournament in Mexico in 1971, in which Denmark also won the title after defeating Mexico 3-0 in the finals at the world-renowned Azteca Stadium. In the 1980s, the tournament was held in Italy across four editions, with both Italy and England winning two titles. The first official FIFA Women's Invitational Tournament was held in 1988 in China, where 12 teams participated. The first match between China and Canada had an attendance of 45,000 people. The average attendance of the tournament was 20,000. Norway ended up winning, and this was deemed a success. Following the success of the 1988 tournament, Another edition was hosted in China in 1991, where USA went on to clinch their first out of a record four World Cups. This event finally made it to the States in 1999. The US team made it to the final, and that win was highlighted by the US's Brandy Chastain's iconic jersey celebration in front of a record 90,185 people. That is a mammoth amount of people coming to watch a soccer game. This World Cup truly propelled the popularity of the women's sport not only in the US, but across the globe. In 2015, the tournament was hosted by Canada, where the number of teams participating was now 24. Then in 2023, it expanded from 24 teams to 32 and it was held for the first time in Australia and New Zealand. Now getting back into this year's tournament, the US team was as expected a pre-tournament favorite, but their progress was halted in the round of 16 by a very determined Sweden side, who beat them on penalty kicks. Another favorite, Brazil, was knocked out in the group stage, with Germany as well. Spain went on to win the tournament, beating England 1-0 in the finals. Spain are the second team ever after Germany to win both the men's and women's World Cup. The Spain men's team won the World Cup back in 2010 in South Africa. All in all, this World Cup was a huge success commercially and from a fan attendance standpoint as well. This World Cup generated $570 million in revenue, the most ever for any women's World Cup. The total attendance also peaked at this World Cup with a total aggregate of 1.98 million, more than any of the previous tournaments. Now this can partly be attributed to the extra matches being played with more teams participating, 
This World Cup also had the most goals scored in a single tournament with 164. Now let's take a break from soccer and talk about the major shakeup that's taking place in the world of college football. The pursuit of TV riches has obliterated traditional geographic rivalries and cemented the formation of a handful of national super conferences. The move reflects the inevitable professionalization of college football, one of the only university athletic products that can command billions of dollars for television broadcast rights. The Big Ten, the oldest Division I collegiate conference, which is primarily made up of Midwestern teams with 14 teams currently, and the Southeastern Conference, or the SEC, made up of primarily colleges located in South Central and Southeastern United States, have both recently secured mega TV deals that will pay their members handsomely. And the Pac-12 has not. It's that simple. Let's look at the staggering numbers to put some of this into perspective. The SEC inked a $3 billion deal. Yes, you heard that right. $3 billion deal for 10 years with Disney beginning in 2024. While the Big Ten reached a mammoth agreement with Fox, CBS, and NBC worth up to $7.5 billion over seven years. What this means is that the Big Ten sent $58 million to each of its schools during the 2021-22 fiscal year, according to tax records, and that number will only grow under this new TV deal. The Pac-12 has been trying to strike a deal with Apple TV to stream its games, but the potential payout for Pac-12 members would receive $30 million is on the high end of the range. TV money has already forced USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington to now defunct from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, making the once Midwestern-focused conference that will soon have 18 teams from coast to coast. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are also leaving the Pac-12 to move to the Big 12, which is also one of the Power 5 conferences in the country. The 108-year-old Pac-12 conference is teetering and is on the verge of collapse with just four schools remaining, Stanford, California, Oregon State, and Washington State. Whether or not you agree that this conference realignment has destroyed college football, it has certainly dismantled the regional distinctiveness of each conference that gave college football its magic. Now, let's get back to soccer. If there was someone who knows how to cement its one man, Lionel Messi. As you probably figure, I'm a super fan. As many of us know that Messi has joined Inter Miami, and his first eight games have got everybody thinking about the people scripting Messi's career. Do you believe anybody's scripting Messi's career? I can guarantee you that it's not being scripted, but that the man is showing his class, his GOAT status. Let me tell you what I mean. In his first game for the team versus Cruz Azul in the League's Cup, 
he was substituted on in the 54th minute and in typical Messi fashion, scored the game-winning free kick in the 94th minute. That's not all. In his next game, Messi scored two goals and went on to score another seven goals throughout the tournament, including some stunners. He and Inter Miami went on to lift the League's Cup after beating Nashville on a crazy penalty shootout. That trophy made Messi the most decorated soccer player of all time with 44 trophies. He completed football in Europe. Now he's completed soccer in America. What else does the man have left? Looks like David Beckham's investment has already paid off and will in the future as well. Knock on wood. Now let's get to the did you know section. Did you know that in 1975... All of the four New York teams, the Jets, Giants, Yankees, and Mets, shared a stadium? Yeah, the stadium was named Shea Stadium. Typically, only the Jets and Mets used to share the stadium. But due to renovations at the Yankee Stadium, the Giants and Yankees were forced temporarily to join their crosstown rivals at Shea Stadium. The four teams sharing one stadium caused an imbalance in the schedules for all four teams. The Jets and Giants could not play home games till the baseball season was over, and when that time came, 14 NFL games were played in the stadium in a span of 12 weeks. That gave the staff no time to recover. Then in 1976, the Yankees went back to their stadium, and the Giants went to their new stadium in the Meadowlands, with the Jets following suit 8 years later. Then in 2009, the Mets moved to City Field, the stadium they used till date. Here's a crazy statistic about Super Bowl winning quarterback Russell Wilson. I bet you you've never heard of this one before. Before being drafted into the NFL and potentially being a Hall of Fame candidate, he was drafted into the MLB. Yes, the MLB. Baseball. He was drafted ahead of superstars such as Chris Bryant and Aaron Judge. That's insane, isn't it? Now on to basketball. Most of you guys would have heard of who Magic Johnson is. An NBA Hall of Famer and a five-time NBA champion. Less of you guys would have known he had a brand deal with Converse. Even less of you guys would have known that Magic Johnson lost out on a potential 5.2% Billion dollars. Yes, billion with a B. Let me explain. In 1979, when Magic Johnson was signing his brand deal, Nike CEO Phil Knight told him he was only able to offer him stocks at Nike. If he had taken that offer, those stocks would have been worth $5.2 billion today. That is a massive deal to miss out on. Finally, last but not least... You can't have an episode without LeBron. In 2011, the NBA had a lockout. A lockout is when players and team officials, including coaches, owners, and staff, are not permitted to talk to players, and nobody gets paid. A new collective bargaining agreement must be signed by the NBA for the lockout to end. During this lockout, many players, including LeBron, were playing pickup games. Now, why am I telling you all this? 
but going back to LeBron's high school days, many people, including maybe you, did not know he was the number one football prospect in Ohio. The potential basketball goat being a number one prospect in football in Ohio? In his junior year, he had 60 receptions for 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns. During the NBA lockout, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones offered LeBron a contract. All LeBron did was frame the contract in his office. But if LeBron made it into the NFL, do you think his legacy would have been as great as his, as his NBA legacy? If I were to give my opinion, I think no, so I'm glad he's in basketball. Now you guys think about that. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.